All right, welcome to Dugout Dish. We got our first guest this evening, Coach Glasser. You want to want to give a quick introduction to to the guest for this evening? Uh, guest number one on our podcast um, is a longtime friend of ours. Um, I was actually his personal catcher in college, so we have a uh, a very long, arduous relationship. Um, but joining us tonight is going to be the pitching coach of the University of San Francisco Dons. Coach Eric Suplee. Eric, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, huge honor to be the first one. Very cool. Very yeah, There's only ever one option. <laughs> thanks, no, for, great, thanks for I'm joining really, me. Uh, I'm really glad to be here. And I'm I'm actually, I'm super excited for the two of you. I, I think you guys are doing awesome stuff. And Andy, I know you've been doing it for a little while now, but I I think that what what you've done so far and what, what Keith is going to add to it is uh, there's not a lot of guys like you that have actually done this before that are in your shoes and understand how this process works um, from the high school kid side. So I think you're going to provide a lot of value for this. Uh, it means a lot, man. It means a lot. Thanks, I, Eric. We, obviously we're all good friends here, but you know, it's, it's more than just friendship. Like we both got a ton of respect for you as a, as a coach and as a person and, and um, looking forward to getting some insight from you. I think you'll going to shed light on a, quite a few topics that I think kids and families and travel ball coaches and high school coaches, whoever's listening to this, I think they're going to get a lot out of it. So thanks again for taking some time. Um, I do want to kick it over to you for a second, because I think it's important for people to understand the level of experience you have uh, as a college baseball coach, you've coached at, three different levels you've won everywhere you've ever been um so if you want to just quick overview where it started and, and how you ended up in san francisco with coach rob datoma <laughs> um all right so was born and raised in williamsburg virginia and i decided to go in the wrong direction that's right keith two up two down uh <laughs> i went the wrong direction to play college baseball i, I ended up at marist college um, had a really, a great experience looking back on it. Now, uh, I, I ended up being recruited and playing for three different head coaches in about in a five-year span, uh, never played for the guy that I was recruited by, uh, different guy, my first two years, different guy, my second, my, my third and fourth year. And after playing, I, I didn't really want to grow up. And I still don't want to grow up. So against uh, against my coach's uh, advice, I decided to get into the, the college coaching. And I my first year, I was at Millersville University, a Division II school. Maybe one of the best years I could have ever dreamed of. We were the program was nine and thirty-seven the year before. Our head coach was twenty-five. Our other assistant was twenty-four, and I was twenty-two. So. Uh, we actually cut kids that year that were older than me and I'll probably never, well, I'm in a similar situation now, not, not, uh, not as bad, but, uh, from there I, I made a huge mistake in, in life and chased the division one dream, went to Longwood university, had a horrible experience, 
Um, I didn't do my research on who I was going to work with, was out of coaching for a year following that. Then I went to Lynchburg College, which is a division three school down in Virginia, fell in love with baseball again, went back to Millersville, because uh, at that point they were rolling <laughs> and I was coaching in the summer league as well. Um, and then I was, I was actually on the interstate driving back up there after winter break and Tom Walter called me and uh, offered me a position on his staff at Wake Forest. So I, I pretty much did a U-turn um in the middle of the <laughs> middle of 64 uh and drove right back home and uh went down to North Carolina from there I, I went to Georgetown University spent a year there uh those that, that was my first um real-time nationally recruiting uh, being in charge of a division one pitching staff uh, and I spent one year there and then the last seven or eight years I was at Columbia University in New York City and up until last July um, I was there and now I'm finally living on the west coast and I'm at University of San Francisco so it's been um, I don't know it's been wild man <laughs> so yeah here I am very good yeah I mean the the list of guys that you've got a chance to coach with and learn from it's pretty pretty successful guys on that list i mean coach sheehan at millersville they're they're rolling again this year i looked on them i looked on their their pro their website today and like they're nine and own in the PSAC, which is a loaded conference you got coach walter and coach Soleno and coach mascara down at wake and they're number two in the country and then columbia is doing their thing with with coach tischler and coach Breddy and you know, you're, you're working with and for an up-and-coming legend in Coach Zatomo's. I mean, his his list of accolades for what he's done at, at his stops is awesome. So uh, hopefully you can spin some of that knowledge up for today. Yeah, man. And I, I think the, the, the one of the biggest things I've learned, and it's important in anything you do, and I think it's really important for kids in the recruiting process, is I, I've been fortunate for the people that I've worked for, but I've also seeked out – and tried to find people that I really want to work for. And like, for example, when I was at Georgetown and the Columbia position came open and I had the opportunity to interview there. And when most of the people that you really respect in your industry, when they tell you something like you need to work for Brett Peretti, it's like, Oh, okay. Like, this is probably an opportunity I need to take advantage of. And there's been other opportunities where I've had chances to interview places and not that they're not good programs or not good people. Um, like work and play for people that you gravitate towards and that you feel a connection with and that you feel can help you get to the places that you want to be in life, not just baseball, but life. So I've been super fortunate in my my last like basically since I went to to Lynchburg and working for Percy Abel there like changed everything with how I look at with how I look at college baseball in, in our profession. So that's it, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to offer. So all right, and we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up real quick. <laughs> no, that's that's no, I mean, geez, just dropping the truth bomb off at the beginning here, but. uh 
Yeah, I mean, Keith, you want to? You got anything to add to that before we get into some questions for for Coach and Play? I mean, I, I think the you're dead on, you know. And I, you and I have probably had this conversation before, but there's, you know, I <clears throat> I was fortunate enough coming up in this game working for, and I'll say this term lovingly, dinosaurs. You know, I I worked for Tony Rossi who you know, 54 years just ended a couple weeks ago. You know, I worked for Carl. Um, you know, Carl was into year 34, 35 when he had retired. Um, you know, when I got into coaching, I was at West Alabama. Um, Gary Rundles, uh, he was at either gear like 27 or 28 when I was down there in 08. Um, you know, so I, I worked for a lot of guys that had, had seen a, a lot of baseball. And I, I think it, you know, it, it shaped me as well to, to kind of, you know, they've all forgotten things that, you know, they, they've forgotten more than we know, you know, and I, I think being able to kind of to, to humble yourself and realize that, you know, this game has been around for a long time and these guys still actually know the game of baseball. Um, you know, it might be a little bit different than what you're used to seeing right now, but you know, it's, to be able to learn from, from those guys. And then, you know, I, I think in, in being around you two and, you know, being around coach Peretti and, and guys like that and working camps and doing those things and seeing how good these guys are at their job and, and wanting to kind of be around them and, and learn from them. Um, you know, I, I think as a, as a player and, and as a coach, like if this is a business you want to get into, like you got to learn, you got to want to learn to get better. If you're going to ask your players to get better, like you got to get better as a coach too. And I think being able to be around, coaches that can can challenge you and make you better is just as important as you know anything else you're going to do in this business so you know get off my soapbox because i'm not getting interviewed it's it's eric's turn to to sit in the hot seat but um you know the first question that we're just going to ask tonight since we're you know really a, a recruiting a baseball recruiting driven podcast is you know how do you go about identifying players that you're looking to recruit Man, it has gotten kind of wild <laughs> with everything that goes on. Uh, so first, I think it depends a lot on what kind of school you are. And for us, for the University of San Francisco, most people around the world have heard of San Francisco. We don't have to recruit solely in our backyard. So we can scavenge around the country a little bit. And we have guys coming in next year from the next two classes, like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Colorado, New York, um, like all over the place. Um, so we are pretty diverse in how we go about things. First off, I'll say like, yeah, I scroll Twitter happens. Um, but then, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, if you're not doing that, I mean, there's always guys on <laughs> throwing fuzz at least, you know, initially, and then you do some digging. It's like, ah, all right. Uh, but you know, people like you, uh, something that I was really fortunate working at Columbia university, we recruited nationally there as well. So, you know, we had, we spent time in Arizona every year. We spent a lot of time out here in California, about a third of our roster is from California. Um, you know, we would spend our two weeks in Georgia every summer. We would go to PBR futures. So you talk to a lot of the PBR guys, um, you know, we would hit all the major new new England tournaments and stuff. And then if we had people that reached out or connections that we had already made, we'd 
running to the Midwest and stuff. And, you know, so um, relying heavily and, and you find out who you can trust, you know, over, over time and who you, I think also just as important as who you can't trust. Um, but, you know, we have, give you a great example. There's a, a guy in Southern California that we would always take players from at Columbia that if he told us to take a guy, it was like, we didn't even ask what position he was. <laughs> we would just take him because <laughs> you knew he was going to be super tough and he was going to know how to play the game. Uh, and then we'd figure out what they could actually do later. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, there's just so many ways to do it now. Like, there's certain events that if you can play in as a player, I, I think if you get the chance to play in the PBR Futures games, you need to play in that. Like, it's a really cool event. Um, you know, going to certain camps and stuff, we've we've gotten a ton of guys so far at USF out of out of our own prospect camps. Um, it's a great way to show that you're actually interested in a program. Um, and then, you know, people, people again, people like you guys that, I mean, I, it's easy for me because if you, if, you, if, you, if you send us a bad player, I just, I'd never let you hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, there, man, there's so many ways to do it now. And it's, it it it's wild it's wild like with the internet and you know recruiting services and and people like you guys how it's just opened everything up all all over the country so and then i like i think kids are also aren't they're not restricted to certain regions anymore a ton of games are on every single day on espn plus you know your parents can watch you play all the time you know we have all our games are on the wcc network and um, my my mom watches all our games. So, um, yeah, like technology has really opened up recruiting on both ends. I feel like. No, interesting take there. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about that earlier. Um, social media has kind of changed the game, and it's not the end all be all for guys. But to your point, what's it take to scroll Twitter for a few minutes to see if somebody's throwing fuzz, right? <laughs> and do your homework after. Yeah. Right. Um. Next question I got for you as as, uh, as a pitching guy, for all the pitchers out there listening, right, everybody focuses in on, like, the really tangible things like velocity, but I'd love to hear from you, like, what are what are some of the traits, like, what are the things that are going through your head when you show up to watch a guy throw? Like, what are the things that you're really dialing in on from from both a, a, a talent perspective, but also maybe speak a little bit to how a kid acts? In, in kind of the kind of the body language they have and, and how that might play a role. Right. I think first, usually if, if, if you're going to see a kid throw uh, pitching a game, you've, you've already probably got like a pretty decent idea of what they can do physically velocity wise and all that kind of stuff. So oftentimes that is already taken care of. And then you're just trying to figure out what exactly they can do. So the first thing you can, that I like to watch is how they, how they warm up. Like, can they play catch? I'm huge on catch play. Like if you can't, if you can't play catch, well, you're probably going to struggle throwing strikes. And I think it also shows like a certain level of uh, being detail oriented. So if, if, if you can't play catch and you don't really value what you're doing pregame with your warm up and stuff, um, that's like a, not, not like a red flag, but it's, it's definitely something that I'd pay attention to. And then from there, 
moving into how are you interacting with the catcher? How are you, how are you interacting with your teammates? And then once you get on the mound, just what level of competitiveness is there? And, and you don't have to be a super fiery guy or, or anything like that, but are you dialed in? Do things bother you? That's huge. There's nothing worse than seeing guys that are rattled in high school by strikes not being called strikes or a swing emit like a, a, a check swing or something like that. Just do external factors bother them? Uh, because that's that's hard to that can be hard to to coach out of people or just change their mindset. Uh, or you know, do they have a victim mindset? That that's tough. That's tough. So, and then at at that point, once you've kind of put all that stuff together, and then we're looking at things that say I'm really good at working with from an arsenal standpoint, do you fit in with what we want? Like, do we see you as a reliever down the road? So do you have two pitches or maybe like one elite pitch? Can you locate it to certain spots? Do your pitches pair off each other? Just there's a laundry list of things physically that, that, that need to be checked off, but the first thing is if I'm showing up to see a kid pitch, I probably already know that they have some level of talent where they're going to play in college baseball. I would hope. And from there, it's, it's how com- I want to know how competitive you are. are. Are you somebody that we can trust to put on the mound? A, a guy I worked with a while ago, who's pretty freaking good. One of his things was always do you, can we put you in the situation to win a regional for us? And I think that's a huge, like just concept and a really important characteristic to have. Like, are you, can you take that kid on the mound right there and say in four years, say three years, whatever, imagine that kid trying to get an out and to, to win a regional. Does he have the stuff for it? Does he have the mindset, the makeup, et cetera, et cetera. So I, th- I think that's like a, I think it's kind of important for for people recruiting to have those those ideas that like to really narrow in on what you're looking for. It helps out a lot. But so I don't know, maybe for you guys, like figuring out like what college coaches like are actually looking for that. Um, but I I think that's always something that's that's stuck in my mind. And you know, we were in a regional final at Columbia last year and it's like, oh man, that like really hit home that concept that that he told me all those years ago. I was like, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, when you show up, typically if I'm going to see a high school game, a kid pitch in high school, I should probably already, most college coaches have a pretty good idea that that player is good enough to play for them. At that point, it's finding out how good of a fit or if it's the right fit at all. Kind of dovetail off that. You're trying to dig into this, right? And you you kind of alluded to that the talent piece, you usually got an idea before you show up. Like you've got metrics that tell you that his fastball velocity is in the range of what you might be looking for. You can see how he moves and all that kind of stuff. How long does it take you for a pitcher, rough estimate, how many times do you like to see a guy how many innings do you like to see a guy accumulate before you really feel comfortable about making that decision? Or is it one of those situations where sometimes you just go see a guy pitch and you're like, that's the guy. Yeah. I, there's times where you can watch a guy warm up in the bullpen. It's like, yeah, <laughs> 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 it's been a good trip. Thanks. 
um, I think it, a lot of that just depends on how far down the road you are with the player. Um, like there's, there's a guy that we're going to go see here real soon that I've talked to a bunch of times. I've seen a bunch of video on him. I haven't seen him in person. We've done a ton of background work on him and stuff. And he could be that example where he throws the first inning. It's like, yes, this is exactly what everybody's told us. He's, he is awesome. And this is somebody that we would like to offer. Uh, other times, you know, maybe there's, there's some concerns with, you know, shapes of pitches varying, like spraying it around. And something that's really important to understand with that is guys are going to have bad days. It's like, if you think kids in college have bad days, take, take three years of experience away from them. They're going to have horrible days as a high school pitcher. I, I remember seeing a kid a long time ago when, when I was at Lynchburg, he was a draft out of high school and he couldn't get out of like the second inning in a in a high school game and like you could tell his stuff was electric but um yeah like guys are gonna have bad days so i think not freaking out if you have a bad outing but also not huge no-no calling the coach immediately afterwards and be like oh it'll never happen again and sorry well like just own it you had a bad day so what had bad days i had a horrible day on friday i i i called some dumb pitches happens i'll have another bad day here sometime in the next couple weeks i promise you (laughs) like it just you know move on own own what you did wrong but um i think going back to it, it it a lot of it depends how far along you are with the player how much background stuff you know there's there might be a kid that pops up on say Wednesday that just calls us, you know, this high school coach calls us out of nowhere. Like, Hey, I got a guy who's really blown up. Like, you know, he's 80, 87, 89. Like he can really spin a breaking ball. He's starting Wednesday. There's a couple other schools on him and I barely know his name and I'm driving out to see him. So a lot of it depends on just where you are in the process and how much information you already know, how comfortable you are with the, with the player, the parents, um, all that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, it's, it's all case by case, but you ideally like to have as much information as possible. And like I said, something, that was one of the things that was always tough at Columbia uh, and at Georgetown before that is if we're seeing a kid pitch in California, that's probably the only opportunity we're going to get to see them throw coming from New York. And it was funny in the Ivy League because we all recruited the same kids at that time. You know, we like we would see someone on one day and they'd be terrible and then you know, commit to darkness. Two weeks later, and you're like, that kid stinks. And then he's starting for them as a freshman. And your boss is like, I thought you guys said he wasn't any good. And they <laughs> just start looking at each other like, oh man. <laughs> I promise he wasn't like you're like scrolling back through videos in your phone like look right here see I I'm, I promise he wasn't any good at all that day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. True story. Yeah. That's good stuff. Well, I think that's the interesting thing when <clears throat> you start talking about. I think the the high end academic piece, you know, I with uh, uh, the vast majority of the high end academic schools especially division three are all in the Northeast. 
you know, they're not going to be able to get out to California multiple times. Like, you know, you're right. You, you might get out there once, twice if you're lucky, you know, and, and you're going to have to kind of make a decision based off of video and, and the references and the people you trust. Um, you know, but I, I, you know, I also think, and Andy and I have talked about this uh, before on here and, you know, it's nice to hear someone else say it. Like, you know, you've, you can learn a lot about a kid that you're recruiting when they fail. You can almost learn more about that kid when they fail than when they're having a lot of success. Like it's, it's super easy to be, to be super confident and have a lot of fun when you're, when you're, you know, out there throwing nitro, but you know, it, when you're getting, you're getting slapped around the yard a little bit and it's not the greatest outing. Like I, I want to see what, how you respond and, and what that does for you. You know, I think you can learn a little bit more about kids that way than you ever could. If you just, every time you show up, their lights out. Uh, that's, that's a really good point. It's baseball such a game of failure. Cliche. Uh, but yeah, like you're going to be terrible at times. It's going to happen no matter how good you are. Big leaguers are terrible sometimes. And like, are you going to give us a chance to win when you're terrible? I think that is, that's a beautiful skill to have. I would mm-hmm. love, like, give me 20 of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It, it's hard. It's hard to be like confident and like somewhat successful when you're just bad on a given day. It's, it, and mostly it's hard mentally. Like you're up there getting shelled or you can't throw strikes and you just got to stick your nose in it and, and get it done somehow, figure out a way. And unfortunately it usually takes you a few times to do that, to figure out how to, how to be successful in those situations. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely very challenging and really awesome if you can find guys that can do that the i think the the next question i'm going to ask you i I have a pretty good feeling what the answer is going to be but um (laughs) how do metrics factor into your evaluation nowadays um i am a huge fan of technology i like metrics a lot but at the end of the day if you can't compete, it doesn't matter. I've coached some kids that were just metric darlings. <laughs> like you just couldn't put them on, you couldn't put them on the mound. It's like, wow, like, man, probably the best metrics guy we saw all last year um, at Columbia. He he got four outs against us. Um, maybe he's only three. He didn't make it. He, he, he made it into the second inning and like, that guy could have pitched. That guy could have pitched in the big leagues if he just looked at his metrics alone. But he couldn't pitch. Like it was, it was a dumpster fire. Um, so I think, I think you can get in trouble if that's all you're chasing. Um, the thing that I like to talk to our pitchers about is we're not chasing numbers. We're trying to get you to compete better. That's that's what we're using your metrics for trying to find areas of the strike zone that you can be more successful in. Maybe we're tinkering the shape of a pitch. We're trying to pair a pitch up with something that you already do well, or maybe we're just trying to create something totally different that you need to add. Or, um, But it's all in the mindset of trying to make you more competitive. So if you're not, 
if you're not using that stuff to figure out a way to get guys out and you're just you're just doing it for the sake of like like look how much vertical break i'm getting which also like doesn't always like that doesn't necessarily matter and and it's got to go with something like i don't want to talk about like too much <laughs> like there's so much more than just like what your vertical break is like how much i don't care how much your fastball spins you care less like that doesn't matter necessarily and actually no it doesn't matter at all um so we're trying to take those numbers and figure out how we can get you to compete better not chase chase ghosts so when you get a kid's when you get a kid's metrics for you it's not just a like a placeholder for like, all right, well, I know he can throw at this velocity. I know he does this stuff. Well, you can look at that, look at his video and start to project out, Hey, I might be able to help this kid get to a different spot. He needs to pair this with this and he doesn't do that. Does that factor into how you evaluate a kid ultimately? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like crucial. And I don't know, maybe some people think I'm stupid for doing this, but I've got like three people that whenever <clears throat> if I get like a full track man report on somebody and I dig around in it, there's three people that I send it to. And I just, I don't send video. I just want to know, Hey, from those three guys who are way smarter than me, they've, they do a really good job. Like, what are you seeing here? And oftentimes like I feel pretty good about myself because <laughs> we're, we're like similar in, in what, and what we see, but there's definitely times where it's like this right here, like you, you need to go after this kid. If, if, if he can compete and he can do this all the time, like, boom, he's a dude. Um, and so, yeah, I lean on people that are smarter than me all the time, but there's definitely, if, if it's as much data as I can possibly collect about someone, it just, it's just more information to help, help the process for me um and and to figure out what what they can do or maybe something that they're not doing at all that they should be doing so yeah got it no that's really informative because i think the development piece from the metrics part i think gets lost on kids sometimes because they're chasing those numbers but understanding that you can use that to get better um i think it's something that kids need to understand i think it's important for them to hear from someone like you, how those metrics factor into your evaluation. And it's not just like you need to hit a number that it's a, it's a compilation of things. And at the end of the day, can you compete? Right. And I, th I think the other thing too, is kids, there's like some obvious numbers on say like a, a Rhapsodo machine that pop up. Like I talked about your vertical break or your spin, um, like your RPMs on your fastball, for example, but a, a, a fastball with 20 inches of lift on a wrap. So isn't like, that's not black and white. There's so many other things that go into it. And I think a lot of kids, we get emails all the time. It's like, uh, like my fastball does this. And it's like, well, if I don't know what your release height is, what your extension is and stuff, like you can have 14 inches of lift and it would be a way better fastball than whatever it is you think you're throwing, like wh whatever it is that you are right now. Like it's not black and white. And I think that's part of the problem with, with technology is 
there are some really obvious numbers that people have really latched onto that are and can be good things or uh, not are things. They can be good things, but there's so much else that goes into that being an effective pitch. And I think that that is a little bit dangerous right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I get the honor of asking the worst question of the day, but we have to ask it because <laughs> it's something that just comes up all the time. But how much do rankings matter in your evaluation process? Oh, um, well, for me personally, look, if you're the number one high school player in the country, you're probably pretty good. <laughs> 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 Nobody listened by that much. <laughs> um, I don't know. The one I, I think one of the things we always laughed about at Columbia, and it was different how we recruited and who we recruited, but um, we would sometimes like go around our starting nine and like <laughs> who was pitching for us, and like we might not have a top five hundred guy on from perfect game, and I don't. Last year, we were in a regional final. I don't, I think we might have had one, one. Um, One of our starting infielders, I think, was a top 500 guy. And everyone else, like our left fielder from from North Dakota, I don't even know if Perfect Game knew he existed. Um, (laughs) The guy's a a freak show. So he was impressive at camp that one year. My (laughs) goodness. I thought he was a counselor. Yeah, he might as well have been. I remember asking Coach Brady, I was like, who's the who's who's the who's the counselor? He's, he's, actually like, he's, the, he's a junior in high school. I was like, no, he's not. Keith actually you helped us get him. That that helped us. <laughs> you're like, did anybody see Cole Hage in the dugout after camp? <laughs> we were just sitting in the locker room afterwards, like oh, it was okay. one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. <laughs> he's like six. 3220 and he ran a six six. We were like, wow, what position does he play? And it's like, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> he was putting his shirt on, and I was like, um, this kid was like chiseled out of stone. Like, what yeah, yeah. So oh my goodness. Um, I perfect game's one of those things where it's like, if you're not a top 100 kid. Do they know who you are even? I, I don't know. Like they probably have velocity, whatever, but I think PBR does the state guys do a really good job. And um they've got like over the years, it's gotten way better. And I I actually like talking to the the PBR state guys a lot, uh, the the actual state directors, because they they usually have a really good pulse on. You know they 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 take they do a good job as far as tracking guys not not just like who's actually good but you know you talk to some of them they're they're really dialed into what's going on some of them and that's a huge help so maybe not necessarily the rankings that they put out but just what those guys are seeing or any of their any of the guys that they have working for them stuff like that that's that's a huge help but rankings it's it's not going to sway me or 
force me to make an offer or maybe it'll, it'll, it'll help like for me to see like, Oh, okay. Maybe he's a top 500 guy. I'm at a bigger event and I don't have anybody to see in that slot. Like he's a top 500 guy on perfect game. He's been up to 89. I'll go see him. Like he's got grades like, all right, it's, it's worth a 30 minute drive over to whatever high school, but care less what your ranking is as far as like when it comes to to offering somebody or how much we're going to offer whatever because once you get to college it doesn't matter what your ranking is like you can either play or you can't good answer i like that i guess playing off of that the the ranking thing you know i i think we uh you know when you coach you you and you're recruiting kids and you're trying to get as much information as possible you're going to be calling coaches and High school, travel, all that stuff. Um, you know, how important is it to you to get an honest evaluation from those coaches? Oh, man. There are already some – there's some places that you don't go back to. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. Yeah. What I was talking about earlier with the the one travel coach in Southern California, we we had never gotten a kid at, at Columbia that wasn't just an an animal, like didn't know how to play the game or just wasn't one of the say three toughest kids on the team, just baseball rats. So, you know, when when you get a a a player, or even if you don't get the player, but if you show up and a high school coach has told you something and say he, even if the kid goes and plays somewhere in your, in your league and <laughs> he kicks your ass for two years, you're like, my guy, my guy was onto something, huh? <laughs> um, so yeah, like you, that's one of those things as a college coach, you, you definitely have the people that you trust, the people that you're, you know, you're going to listen to, you know, when the summer rolls around or whenever we figure that we're trying to identify players, whatever, like you, you've you got your, say, the first 10 phone calls of guys that you trust, guys that you've gotten play, like good players from in the past. And, you know, maybe it's not even like recruiting season or whatever. You're just bored in the office. It's like, oh, let me text so-and-so and see if he knows anybody. Um, but if you've gotten burned on some guys or showed up to some high school games or some travel games and it's not what you it's not what you were told, <laughs> I don't text those guys. <laughs> you know? um, I'm not saying that I would, you know, if, uh, if we're going down to Arizona for the fall classic, say, I'm still gonna reach out to every every coach that's that's at the event, but there's definitely some guys that I'm going to trust a little bit more than others. And that's, yeah, it's just how it is. There's nothing worse than getting a call from a guy and showing up and it's just way off. It's okay to your point, like guys have bad games, but when you show up and it's, you're right. wondering, like, are, <laughs> yeah. am I here to see the same kid? Right. You're like, looking at your phone, like, yeah, yeah, that's, Man, that's him out there. <laughs> uh, you, you've alluded to toughness and the ability to compete. And 
we think on the same wavelength. We've experienced it. We understand how important that is. But if you could delve into maybe some specific character traits and how you, what you do or how you evaluate them so that you have that piece of the puzzle hopefully figured out before a kid gets to you. I think Brad Stevens had the quote, somebody asked him what mental toughness was. And it was something, something along the lines of, can you do your job under any circumstance? So a little bit of what we alluded to or discussed earlier about failure. Can you, can you still try to get guys out or when you're over for your last 15, are, are you still going to dig in there and, and try to take the best at bat you possibly can within your skill set? And, and like, there's, it's hard to teach. It's hard to coach. I think it's easier. It's easier to recruit guys that are already tough. Um, but, you know, you can put guys in certain situations, um, like, you know, let them struggle in inner squads. Like, I love bringing freshmen, freshmen in the fall. I, I like for freshmen to pitch a lot in the fall because they're facing 22 year olds now with the portal and stuff and grad guys, like they're facing 23, 24 year olds. It's hard. They're probably going to fail a little bit and that's good. It's okay. Teach them what their flaws are. Like show them how difficult this is going to be. Cause it's not always roses all the time. Um, and I think that's a huge part of it is it's okay to fail. I don't want you to fail, but you're going to fail. And it's more like, teaching guys how to recover from that more than just being successful all the time. I, that was, that was something a couple of my bosses have, have always, it, when I, when I first got to those places, I was like, why don't, why aren't we talking about like winning and stuff and whatever. And, and then when it actually happens like in the game and in seasons, you're like, Oh my God, that's why we talk about that all the time. And I was so wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, like just being able to do your job without any external factors influencing what you're doing. It's huge. It's huge. Like what like watch a big league game. Those it's it blows my mind watching guys pitch and they're just getting, you know, they're just in struggle city. And some of those guys, like nothing is wrong at all. Now they also are probably gonna make 35 other starts that year, whatever. So you know, if you're if you're an eight 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 year veteran, like uh, who cares? It's just one outing. But I mean, some of those guys you watch them, and it, all athletes, like football players, basketball players, like when you watch guys that are unflappable when they're just terrible in a game, like that is so impressive to me. It's more impressive than the guy that scores forty points in a basketball game. You know, than the guy that throws eight shutout innings, whatever. Like it's the guy that throws five innings. And he gave up like a five spot in the second and he somehow gets through five innings and saves the bullpen because you're playing six days that week. Like, and he just, he just wears it. Like, you know how hard that is. And just to be okay with it too. Like not even pouting or whining. Like, I can't believe the coach is like ruining my ERA right now by letting me hang out here. Like he's just doing his job and just getting after it for the rest of the team. He's saving the rest of the bullpen so that you don't put your team behind the eight ball for the rest of the week. That to me is so much more impressive because he said it, 
it's easy when you're good. It's easy when things are going your way. Like, how, what are you going to do when you get punched in the face? Are you going to throw a punch back or are you going to walk over to your corner and tap out and yeah, bring the next guy in? We're good. Like, not my day. Like, You're not going to win a lot of games with those kids. No, it's hard. It's hard. It is. Like, it is. Man, stuff like that. And as a pitching coach, like that guy that can go out as like, say, a Saturday starter and just wear a bad outing, that's like that's so hard to do and, and to be okay with it. It's tough and it sucks. It sucks as a coach being like, some two innings and our bullpen's not great this year. Like need you to need you to keep going, buddy. <laughs> no, sometimes I mean in, in a college series, sometimes the game you lose can dictate the whole rest of your weekend. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way you're talking about. Like if you go out and you're Friday night guy who's supposed to be your guy has a bad outing, but he finds a way to just bow up and like, I'm going to get you to the six coach and you save two dudes that you don't want to throw that day. And now they're available Saturday and Sunday. That's the difference between you winning a series and walking away, getting swept or only winning one game. And I think that gets lost sometimes with travel ball and high school baseball is that college baseball is there's similarities like 60 feet, six inches, 90 feet, but the game itself and how the games fit together are very, very different. And the management of the game, pieces of that puzzle, uh, they they can have such a dramatic impact on a, a singular game, but they can have a huge impact on a series. And you know how sometimes, I mean, shoot, at Columbia last year, would you guys have 21 in a row or something like that? Guys competing and doing little stuff like that can – it can waterfall into more and more success. No, it's true. I, and just to kind of go like go along with it, I think a great example of it is most, if you go into most college baseball programs, they probably trust two, maybe three relievers. So let's say it's Friday night and you're down 6-2 early, like and your starter can keep it at 6-2 into like the fifth or sixth inning. And instead of it being 10-2, and they can the other team can just throw whoever they want and they have to use one of those two or three guys for say two innings because they want to win that game like you got to win this game it's the game we're playing right now and they let's say they use their second best reliever for two innings you know one your hitters get to see that guy and two he's going to be maybe a little bit fatigued the next two days and just by that guy that starter sucking it up getting you through some some tough situations, not having his best stuff, but not packing it in. You might have won, you might have just won a, a game Saturday or Sunday because they now have to bring in their third or fourth best reliever or say your three holes already face that second best reliever and he's already wasted his best pitch. He's already seen, you know, that guy is a wipeout slider, 88 to 92 with a really good slider. Well, your three-hole hitter now has at least seen it. And he's going to have a better opportunity the second time he sees it later on in the weekend when that guy's maybe a little bit more fatigued. So it all matters, man. And it's like, it's, it's stupid and people don't buy into that stuff, but it's reality. It all matters. And that's where like toughness of a guy that's struggling, it, it can win you a game, even if he's terrible and he gets the loss that day. You're setting your team up for success later in the weekend, potentially. And I think the, you know, we used to talk about this when I coached too. 
Yeah. We used to play four game sets. You know, key to winning some of those four game sets, like get into the bullpen as early as you possibly can. I mean, there's yeah. only so many arms that that are available to throw. Like if you can get into the bullpen of your opponent quicker, you're generally going to give yourself more of an opportunity to, um, you know, win those games. And I think the other thing too, that, that I, I just want to expound on for a second is like, you never know in this game, what is going to win or lose you games or series, you know? And I, I think sometimes you can, people want to go to like the, the obvious play, but it, it might not be the obvious play that long. Like it could be that starter that doesn't have it and guts it out and gets you through six that you might lose that game, but you win Saturday, Sunday, because you have more arms available. Like that could be the thing that won you the series instead of the, well, you know, I, we pinch hit this guy and hit a two run bolt. Like, yeah, that's the obvious play that won us the game. But like, we're only in that situation because we can still throw our number one arm in the back half of that game to close it out because we sucked it up the night before, you know, I, I think that it's something that gets, you know, when the college game gets lost a little bit on, on people that are, you know, that coming from high school to college is that like you, everybody's good. So it, to, to be an outlier among outliers and, and try to figure out how you are going to help your team win in, you know, that, that play you stick your nose on the fourth might be the thing that wins the game for you guys instead of, you know, the obvious stuff. I digress. I'm sorry. Job, Keith. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I think this is important stuff for, for kids to hear because everybody gets caught up in like the really tangible things, right? Can you run fast? Can you throw hard? Do you got bat speed? Do you have arm speed? And they're all important. But what can you do to help me win games is oftentimes – not measured by how fast you run. It's by, did you get out of the box hard on the four hopper to the shortstop and he dumps a ball and you extend an inning? Like to your point, how do you, you know, are you able to to find a way to, to squeeze out of a, an inning when a guy hits a two run home run? Like, are you able to minimize that? And those are, it's not just a talent. It's not just talent that goes into those types of performances. It's, that mental toughness, it's the ability to see that you're you're working towards the ultimate objective of winning in that your singular performance in the box score isn't always what tells the full story of kind of that long-term, um, long-term success that the team might have. So I think it's important for high school kids to hear. So I'm, I'm glad we took a minute to, to dive down that rabbit hole. Eric, other question I got to ask you, right? Hopefully the kids that are listening to this say, I want to go play in college. What are some of the, what are some of the traits or what are some of the things that you find in players who step on campus and freshmen as freshmen and find success? I think confidence is huge. Um, and not, and that, that's also part of the program. That's part of the program's responsibility as far as creating an atmosphere. Creating an atmosphere where freshmen are comfortable being themselves within the parameters of, of the team culture. But are you a confident player? Because, again, you're going to struggle as a freshman. You're 
18 years old, you're playing against 23 year olds, potentially 24 year olds right now. They're going to be more physically developed. They're going to have played a lot more baseball than you. But like, are you okay with just being yourself on the baseball field? If you're, if you're a high energy guy, like I've seen guys that you recruit and you're like, man, ball of energy. And he gets there and, you know, the fall of of their freshman year, they're so low motor, you know, they, they don't play aggressive. It's everything you saw in the recruiting process and it's, they're just not comfortable. Like maybe they're going through some stuff, like they're far away from home or whatever. Uh, But I think having inner confidence of who you are as a player and big picture, like being confident of just who you are as a human being, like knowing that other people's opinions might not necessarily matter at all. Like just be yourself. Uh, And I think that's huge for younger guys coming into play right away. Cause there's, there's, you know, you'll have guys every year that play as freshmen and at the higher level, I think it's, you know, you have some guys that turn down draft money and just step in right away. And it's like, Whoa, like he's really good. Um, But for most freshmen showing up, like, you're going to struggle a ton right away just because you don't fit in. You're not that confident in your ability. And, you know, we go back to like getting punched in the face. Like you got punched in the face pretty quick and you're having a hard time recovering. So your, you know, your performance on the field, is going to be, it's going to be a roller coaster. But um, I would say mentally is having that self-confidence and probably that summer going into your I know a lot of bigger programs do this now and they actually bring their freshmen in uh, for like a summer, a summer session to, you know, get acclimated with the weight room, get acclimated with, you know, some of the concepts of the program and stuff. So that when fall practice actually starts, um, they're at least familiar with what's about to happen and what's going on. But so aside from that, sorry, but, Coming in that summer, I think it's huge, not necessarily to like play a ton, but get yourself physically ready and like get big, get fast, get strong going into the fall. Because I, I think that's where, that's where the biggest difference is with, with an 18-year-old and a 23-year-old. They're physically, I mean, your body's going to change a ton in, the, in that time and, and get as close to those guys as you possibly can. Um, so that's probably the big thing from, from the physical side. So again, like getting big, big, strong and fast physically, and then, you know, being okay, be okay with who you are and understand that that's okay. And pick a program where it's going to be, people are going to be accepting of who you are and they're not going to put you down. There's not stupid hazing traditions. There's not, you know, a, a, a tradition of seniority and like, oh, well, like, the seniors are going to get the first chance to play. Like don't go to places like that. It's your fault if you do, because you're, you're, you're probably going to have, I'll, I'll stop there, but like, yeah. like go to some, go somewhere where you're going to be accepted for who you are and, and are going to support you for who you are and where you can be yourself and you can be a confident baseball player. The second that you step foot on campus. Dig it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you kind of, 
you kind of walked into one of the questions that I think we were planning to close it out, but I, I want to make sure that we, Keith, if there's any other questions you want to ask Eric before we kind of sign this thing off. No, I, I don't. I, I mean, I think we're, we've hit pretty much every, the majority of the ones that we wanted to uh, knock out today. So I don't, I don't think that we, um, go ahead, ask away. Yeah, I think what I would like to hear from you is if you have one or two pieces of advice that you would give a high school kid as they go through this process. Ooh. Um, I know it's something we talk about all the time, but like, I guess, I guess something that people really overlook is, man, it's a tough one because uh, there's so much money in college baseball now, so much more than it was like when, when the three of us were playing, like assistant coaches are going to change and like people are going to get fired. People are going to get better jobs, but find somebody that like, if, if you're an, if you're an infielder, you need to have a full grasp of who the infield and the hitting coaches are. Like, does the head coach, I've worked at places where the head coach doesn't, doesn't do much as far as like teaching. And that's totally fine. Like, you know, they might run the offense on game day, whatever, but you need to find out who you're going to spend the most time with in that program. And you need to really feel confident and comfortable with that person that they're going to develop you and that you're on the same wavelength as them, the same personality. I, I tell kids this all the time. You have to be around me for the next four years. I have to be around you as well. Like if we don't fit, it's, it's not going to be great. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> I've been there before. <laughs> I was there as a player and like, I've been there as a coach where you're just not bad kids, but you just, you just aren't compatible and that's fine. Like it's another thing. Like it's okay. If things don't work, like, it's fine. It's okay. Like if, you know, like if, when you tell a program that you're not going there and, and this is like one of my pet peeves, sorry, I'm going off on a rant, but like, if you tell a program that you're committing somewhere else, somewhere else, and they yell at you or something, like, did you really want to play there in the first place? If this is how they're acting right now, like, give me a break, dude. All right. You're 16 years old and a 45 year old is yelling at you. So what? Like, good for you that you didn't choose that school like oh gross it's gross like, it is if, yeah whatever sorry um <laughs> but i think one of the big things is you need to be comfortable with the person that you're going to be around the most um you need to like our head coach you need to like coach the toma at usf but if you're a pitcher you're going to see my face every single day you're going to be around me every single day. I'm going to be around you every single day more than anybody else on campus, aside from the other pitchers and the, your other teammates. So, and you need to like, you, you need to full, try to get a good understanding of what their career goals are. Now I did it early in my career because I, I didn't have a salary. I was a very little dollars until I got to Columbia. <laughs> like I was going to hop around 
until I made money and I could actually live a life. Um, you need to have a good understanding of what that coach's goals are. And that might be an awkward question, but I, I think it's huge. I've had guys ask me like, what, are, what, like, where do I see myself in five years? I was like, um, like, man, that's a great question, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. Like if, if you look at someone's resume and they've hopped around to power five schools and stuff every two years and, you know, they, they're jumping all over the place. Is that really someone you want to play for? Like you might really like them, but you need to have a good understanding of, of what they want to do also. So I guess I, I, you asked a couple of things, but spend more time. The other thing is spend more time in the weight room. Like it's okay to not play fall ball. If you played all summer, like it, if you're 82 to 84 all summer long and you throw strikes and you had what you feel like is a successful summer. And I don't know, maybe you're like going into your sophomore year or your junior year. Get big. Like look, go to go to a college baseball game, look at college baseball players, find the level that you want to play at or that you think you belong at, and go watch a game. And you'll be shocked at how physically developed these guys are. Like we have we we have guys that are, you know, division three grad transfers and stuff, and they're huge there's they're they're like you know they're grown adults and you have kids that are 145 pounds like 6'2 me in high school <laughs> like i wish i had known this and and you just pitch all year like dude get big what are you what are you still throwing for you throw strikes like you you have a clean delivery i, I don't know whatever like it's okay to not play baseball at, and put the ball down like you can work on some things and continue to do that but like i i wish that more high school players would spend more time in the weight room well and they're going to when they get to you anyways right like yeah like you know what i mean like you you, you might as well get a base. you might as well get a a jump start on it because when they get to you you're going to be in the weight room quite a bit like you don't you know to your point like you have division three guys that are that are pretty physical. Like they didn't get that way by accident. Like they, right. they got that way because they were in the weight room and they were in college at a division three school. Like, so what do you think is going to happen when you show up to a division one school? Like you're going to find yourself in the weight room quite a bit, especially in the fall, especially in the winter. Like that's what you are going to be doing. So why not start doing it at a, you know, obviously with somebody who knows what they're doing and, you know, strength coaches and things of that nature, but you know, start doing it when you're a little bit younger. So you, you, you do add that physicality to your game, you know, and eventually it gets to the point where like, you, you know, you can only move a ball so much with the mass you have behind it. If you're, you know, 120 pounds, like there's a limit for 99.9% .9 of people of how fast that ball is going to go, like get a little bit bigger. It might move a little bit faster. Well, that's usually how it works. <laughs> I, I we have a great a great example at our school right now is we had a freshman that came in. He's a left-hander, super wiry. He weighed like 155 pounds his first day on campus, and I think he's like just under 175 now. But all fall, he he threw one he threw live one time all fall, just constantly nicked up like 
you know, when you get to college, there's all these other things going on all of a sudden. Nobody's making you dinner. Nobody, like, there's there's not lunch period in college. <laughs> uh, you know, mom and dad aren't making you breakfast before you walk out the door. You're in a dorm. Like, you have to choose to go eat breakfast. And then you have to find time in the day to eat lunch. And then I want you to snack between lunch and breakfast or lunch and breakfast and breakfast, lunch and dinner. And then after practice, you got to go eat dinner. And I'd prefer you didn't eat trash. So, and then after dinner, you have to do homework and then you have to get eight, eight to nine hours of sleep. And if you're not doing all these things and you're lifting for the first time, and you're playing games every weekend in the fall and you're you're throwing three or four innings, wh whatever it is that they have you built up to. This gets very taxing very, very quick. And I think the sooner that guys can physically handle that and get into a really good routine, the better off they're going to be. Um, and I think if, if, if you come in to college at a level of fitness and a level of strength where where that isn't what's keeping you from um, from working as hard as you possibly can every day, then you'll be way ahead. And like to go back to the, the kid I was talking about, he's been kind of an important reliever for us, and he's thrown a decent amount. But I look I look back at it. He he came in with a hand problem. He got like a fungus thing on his hand. It was bizarre. I like whole different story, but. You know, so he comes in behind, so he can't even lift right away. And then he starts getting in the weight room. And so we're trying to build him up. And, you know, he's just physically fatigued all the time. So he's he's starting way behind everybody else. And he's he's really good. He's pitching for us some. So you kind of look at it right now. And it's like, wow, man, like, what if he'd come in 175 pounds where he is right now physically and he was ready to go day one instead of being a guy that we use for a couple innings to try to like bridge something like maybe he's our closer maybe he's an opener that we're using and starting on weekends we're not the deepest staff right now all these different possibilities could could be in play that we'll never know about if and, and it's not his fault but like if guys come in more prepared for the absolute sledgehammer that's about to be dropped on them with classes, lifting, you're on your own for sleeping, you're on your own for food all of a sudden, it's a lot. So the more things that you can come in and you're already acclimated to what's about to happen to you and all those different categories, the quicker you're going to have a chance to succeed, in my opinion. I know I, I was I wasn't ready to go to class every day when I went to college. I my GPA my freshman semester my first semester was embarrassing, like embarrassed. I wasn't ready for it, and I didn't I didn't know what was about to happen to me. And I, I wish I had. I wish somebody had told me. <laughs> like I I would and I wish I had been more prepared. I was physically underdeveloped. I could pitch fine. I pitched a lot my freshman year, but. If I was as big as I was as a junior and a senior, I probably would have, I, I probably would have pitched in the situations that I wanted to pitch in. Um, but I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready physically. I wasn't ready mentally. I had no idea what was about to happen to me. Um, and, and you can, and you can talk to as many people and whatever 
all these people um, helping you out and stuff. And, 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 and you're never going to be fully prepared until it actually happens. But to go back to it, like if, if I was 180 pounds instead of 155, um, if I understood that I had to go to class every day in order to get a B or a C even, <laughs> um, you know, we also, when I came in as a freshman, like it was a transition for our coaching staff. So nobody was there to really communicate these things to me. Um, but the more things that you can be prepared for, the better chance you have for success early on in your career. And Andy, as we've talked about, if you're playing as a freshman, that's a really good sign that you're going to be a major contributor for the program moving forward. And it's important that you get time and you show the coaching staff that you're ready to compete. Maybe, maybe you're not good enough to be like an everyday guy as a freshman, but if you show the coaching staff that you're going to be a guy that's going to fit into the program, you're going to be a guy that is going to continue to develop and you do things the right way. They're probably going to give you those extra bats here and there when you're up 10, down 10. You're probably going to get those extra innings when you're up 10, down 10 that, you know, your buddy, your your freshman roommate isn't going to get because he doesn't do any of the things that the coaching staff asks. But to get to that point, you got to be ready. And you got to be mentally ready and you got to be physically ready. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great way to end it. Um, ton of, ton of awesome stuff in there, Eric, and can't thank you enough. Um, you know, obviously we go back a long, long ways, but thank you so much for your time. I know, you know, you only get one off day a week and you, you hopped on here. Um, you know, so we guys, really appreciate the heck out of it. We don't want to end in like foreign politics or. <laughs> <laughs> We, we can go over some memes go. if you want. Okay. All right. We don't, all right. So we'll we'll just stick with baseball tonight. Okay. We'll yeah. stick with the baseball tonight. But uh no, sincerely, man, thank you so much. Um you're the best. Best of luck to you and Rob. Um you guys are gonna do great things out there and uh certainly looking forward to tracking it. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate you having me. First guest. Woo! Yeah, baby. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button. Follow us on social medias, Twitter and Instagram, at EMD Baseball. Thanks again, Eric. Uh, you're the best, man. Good luck the rest of the way. Thanks, Eric. Love you. Love you guys. You're the best.